the future of photography. Hey everybody, welcome to the future of photography. Uh, this is show number 99, which of course if you live in the UK and grew up in the 70s and 80s is a bit of chocolate you stick in your ice cream. But I'm not sure how far that travels. So we can test that now, though, actually, because there's three of us here today. Sadly, no Chris. Uh, Chris is on vacation this week. Um, so our loss is, I guess, his gain in some ways because he's off enjoying himself. Um, but he'll be back next week for the big 100 show. Um, but uh, yeah, Ema, how are you doing? I'm doing good. 99th definitely transfer this way. Excellent. Very glad to hear it. There we go. There's a cultural bridge there in these troubled times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Jer- Jeremiah, how are you doing? Well, I think I'm, I'm uh, if it's 99 there, wouldn't it be 98 here? <laughs> I think I'm behind, but... Um, no, I'm 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 good. Uh, Ninety nine has uh, only one special meaning for me. That's oh. the ninety nine bottles of beer on a wall <laughs> song, um, which I will spare everyone. You yeah, know, no, all the way through, please. We yeah, that that'll be the show for this week. On <laughs> way to way to lose whatever. I thought I thought for a moment there, Jeremiah, that you were going to say Agent Ninety Nine. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah, good like reference. That. That's very good. <laughs> so, what have we all been doing this week? Ooh, that's Ooh. a good question. Uh, well, I'll tell you what I've been doing. I'll tell you what I've been doing. Um, I have been looking at uh, the family flicker stream from when our kids were tiny. So we've been revisiting that and going, ooh, and ah, and getting all misty-eyed. So that's that's oh. that's my photo highlight of this week. <laughs> No, it's it's uh, what can I say about it? It's it's mostly inconsequential stuff, except every now and again, there'll be a oh, this is the first time I did this. And this is the first time I did that, you know, and and you know, kids learning to eat and having photos of them being very messy and, and things like that. All, all, all preschool stuff. Uh, we don't even keep it up anymore um, because they're off doing their own things, you know. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it did it did uh, bring back some fantastic memories. I mean, me realize how good flicker can actually be um and, and uh, you know long long may it continue and i hope its current owners smug mug actually put some effort into it and put some money mm-hmm. into it because it's a bit behind in some areas but it's such an amazing resource still so that that, mm-hmm. that was my photo highlighter this week Ema, what have I you have, been up to oh sorry jeremiah come I, I just i haven't looked at my flicker library for probably two or three years i should You've, uh, you've encouraged me. I used to use it religiously. I don't anymore. I'm pretty religious about it now, to say, uh, because I find it, it's it's a quieter space than the Instagram. It's, if you know what I mean, it's I yes. do, and yes. they they you can nobody mount. talks to you there, so it's a, you it's know, also good because you can you can quieter. You could post um, full size yes. images. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. It is, it is good. Uh, it is good. Yes, definitely. Between managing Instagram, my, you know, personal website, and uh, any other kind of online stuff, it just it becomes just a full time job. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So, Emer, what's your pick? 
My pick of the week is um, a, a little road trip I took the other day with a friend of mine and um, we can put some links into the show notes, but um, really close to here, there's like a megalithic site with the passage tomb. If, um, do you, does that make any sense yes, to you? Yes, yes, it makes sense to me, certainly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we uh, took a little trip around all these tiny little boring roads <laughs> that are very close to where I live and found this megalithic uh, site and so I took tons of photos also there's a slate quarry nearby which I hadn't really been to so we walked down to the bottom of that and the resonance and everything in the sound and there was birds everywhere it was fantastic and uh, these high crosses that are probably sixth or seventh century that I had learned about in school, but even though they're very close by, I never seen them. So we we did a lot of exploring around our own backyard and it was lovely. Took tons of photos and haven't had time to do anything to most of them, but there's actually one gone up this evening now um, of one of the lanes nearby. So they'll keep me busy on the winter nights, I'm sure. Well, for me, I've stumbled onto uh, the work of somebody called Matthew Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-T-T. And uh, he works in very odd experimental ways with layering uh, photographs in such a way, printed on glass, I think. They're all little dioramas, but they're purposely glitched so that the, the experience of the image or photographic sculpture, whatever you want to call it, seems somewhat and and nuanced but twisted. And they're black and white. They're just, I don't know, I've never seen anything like it. I'm always fascinated by different uses of photography um, in art that aren't just two-dimensional. I just find that fabulous. So I encourage everybody to check him out. Um Again, Matthew with a M A T H I E U S C H M I double T. Um, oh, we have so to give us could, a link. Give us a link, Jeremy. I'll, I'll, I'll stick I it will. in the show notes. Yeah, I will, yeah. and people can enjoy it. Yeah, good stuff. Well, so, there we go. So, uh, good, some good picks of the week, uh, and uh, also some photographic highlights of the week. I should say, I've got to get this right, especially seeing as Chris is away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the bit we do is a photo highlights are first. The picks of the week come at the end. I must must remember that, but that's okay. We're, 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 we'll we'll struggle through without him. We'll 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 we'll, we'll do him proud, shall we? So, <laughs> okay. Well, I tell you what. Um, the main uh, topic for this week's show. Um, has been brought to us by Ema this week. Uh, so, uh, Ema, tell us about it. Drum roll, please. Um, it's a very, I'm sure people are going to start throwing things at the, I was going to say radio, even though we're not on the radio, but um, the topic I picked for this week is HDR. It's like Marmite, isn't it? You love it, you hate it. People go crazy with it, but it can be done in a very tasteful way. And when it's done properly, it looks amazing. But when it's done badly, it looks god awful. <laughs> and people think it looks amazing, and it's just weird. So, I I would have loved to ask Chris what does he tell. I'm sure people go to him to learn how to use their cameras. Is it one of the first questions? Maybe 
a learner would ask, oh, my God, how do I get this effect? Ah, you know? interesting. So uh, it's a pity he's not here to answer that, but maybe we can ask him later. Um, what do you two think of it? I, I'm going to be really pedantic here and and say that, I, that there's at least two definitions of HDR uh, yeah. that the, the I would I, I would consider. So I think the 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 marmite bit that you've been describing is I that think horrible? Is, is is the bit is the bit for me where I think I think what I understand by that is where there um, are effects available that can um, represent. Uh, yes. A bit, lot, lot, lots of detail in the darks, and also lots of, of detail mm. in the highlights. Often, um, uh, often combined with a whole bunch of clarity and local contrast adjustments mm. and stuff like that to make something that looks very, very crunchy. Um, I have a real struggle with that. I have a real struggle yeah. calling it HDR because the whole object of that process yeah. is to narrow the dynamic I range of the image. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, do I, mean. I, I agree with that. Um, you know, HDR, high dynamic range, mm. is, is very much something that all chip manufacturers and processing um, moves to try and be very true to capturing very bright to very dark tonalities whether it's color or black and white and so in an ideal world we would take a single shot and the dynamic range is so big so wide that skies uh, or clouds in the skies do not burn out there's still a little texture of gray in there so we can see detail and ditto there's enough detail in the shadow should we want it in terms of the kind of raw whether it's a DNG or a negative, yes. but enough for us to then compress the histogram or compress the tonal range or expand it even more, okay. depending on what we want. The the kind of <laughs> the colloquial HDR looks like some kind to me. It looks like a cartoon version not very uh, attractive in terms of skin tone. And I often feel that it doesn't really add to the mood or tone of a landscape. It doesn't make people look better or more interesting, but it's kind of, it, 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 it kind of applies an artificiality to an image, which I, as you know, am, I, I love artificiality yeah, yeah, yeah. in photography, but I've, I've not seen a photographer and an artist capture that kind of, we'll call it crunchy HDR into an aesthetic that is really special and amazing. I'm sure there are, but I've not experienced yet. And that doesn't mean I haven't tried it and used it myself, but it is something that um, I don't really respond to. Mm -mm. Um, on when I was doing my degree, we did a little bit of that um, with the um, taking the different exposures and the three images and actually putting them or compositing them together properly in the correct way. And it was amazing to discover that, you know, I, I only knew of it as a kind of a feature on my phone pretty much for that. I had never explored it. And I, I thought it was interesting in that, but is it, it's different in, in a film sense, is it, um, Jeremiah? Is it very useful? Um, 
lighting scenes and stuff. And well, it is uh, it with with cameras um, which now are approaching, I guess, sixteen stops of dynamic range. Though they're not, I, I'm not sure you can see sixteen stops in in one frame. But often, we will adjust the gamma. We will adjust the histogram effectively to move it toward shadow detail or crunching highlights. And so let's just assume you have a a really nice, vibrant 12 or 13 stops of tonality, but you're mm. shooting in bright sunlight. So you may move the the effect of gamma. You can adjust these these things in the camera so that you end up with something that approximates um, the aesthetic that you're trying to kind of put forward. Um, the, you know, when it comes to, you know, creating HDR images from digital or, or negatives, I, 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 I do this more, you know, I'm not going to say often, but I do this regularly. Um, if I'm in a very high contrast situation, like shooting mm. in the snow, for example, in low mm. light where, you, you know, you just don't want a kind of a black and white image you you want some tonality there so often what i'll i'll do is uh, you know i will do a series of two uh, or three exposures but i i won't push each of them more than one stop would be the maximum that i would go and then in photoshop and now lightroom it allows you to combine them they don't look like hdr they just look like they have a nice fat middle if you know what mm, i mean mm, mm, mm. Mm, Anybody have a fat middle? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so, so is this? So there, there is uh, there there is one artist, of course, who 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 in the photography community uh, over a period of years has gained like glo global fame. Uh, um, I think is probably fair to say um, it, for for being uh, an HDR photographer, and that's a chap called Trey Radcliffe. Um, I, I don't know if you you yeah, him, yeah. both both know his work, um, and and he he, uh, he I believe has the uh, the privilege of of having the first HDR photograph ever to be hung in the Smithsonian or or, or something oh. like that. Anyway, yeah, oh. to to be recognised as a, a as a piece of art that is that is collectible by a serious museum. Um, mm -hmm. If I remember correctly, it's a shot of some fireworks at night, um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, which, of course, these days you can take on your phone. But back then was probably really hard to do, <laughs> so, <laughs> which I guess is why we have a podcast called The Future of, uh, of Photography. <laughs> so it's but uh, yeah, and he and he's still doing stuff and he's still yeah, he's got a big global following and he does fine art photography with HDR techniques and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But but what he's not doing is he's not over cranking it, of course. He's, he's yeah. He, he he's he's making use of the techniques and again i'd say this is the 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 for me for, for me what is the the old-fashioned colloquial definition of hdr which is actually squeezing a lot of detail into a narrow range yeah um uh, and he's you know he he does it very very well so, i mean sometimes uh, occasionally does, come across does, some of yeah. his shots uh, and and some of them are amazing um others are not my kind of thing although i can tell obviously that they're very proficient um yeah 
and and uh, so so there's de- there's definitely a thing there and i was talking to chris the other day as well because i have an old phone right my my phone is four years old and i have the hdr option on it but it's an option i can switch it on and off apparently now mm-hmm. in new phones you can't <laughs> it's called oh, it's yes. called smart hdr or intelligent hdr oh, and it's so no. intelligent you're not allowed to turn it off <laughs> what about the iphone 11 <laughs> i'll let you know right. yeah yeah well you, you'll have to tell uh-huh. yes you have to tell us jeremiah or maybe maybe that's just in the um maybe that's in the standard camera yeah. app maybe there are other camera apps where you have much more control over that sort of thing yeah. who knows but I, I think with trey radcliffe's work and I, his work is very vibrant shall we yeah. say it's very vibrant very colorful it does it it approaches but never gets into that crunchy you know sometimes it looks a little artificial but in a good way they look yeah. more paint painted. They do um, look painted I, the best, don't they? And I, but I, you know, I appreciate. It. I really like that some of his landscapes are absolutely spectacular, mm. in terms of what he's managed to do. But but I I think when when the technique itself dominates the image, yeah, that's the problem. And his work <laughs> oh. goes close but doesn't. Mm. Oh, now so it so, does get close. Sometimes, now we're right? talking. That is that is a, a a tricky territory you're getting into there because, um, uh, uh, you know, what do you consider things like uh, tin type to be then? So in in this DNA this day and age when you have all of these amazing technology tools, is uh, you know, is is tin type uh, or or any other alternative processes are they now an affectation perhaps? Oh, that's a. By the way, that's an excellent question and one, as you know, that I've uh, encouraged some thinking for our 100th <laughs> <laughs> mm. show, which is the relationship between, you know, 100 year ago techniques and aesthetics and tones and, you know, the approach to image making and now and the future and and how that start the nostalgic aspect of it. You with Instax, also me with Instax. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a kind of uh, uh, um, an analog warmth to holding an image as an object, which I think is something very, in in many ways, unique to photography. Um, you know, holding a painting and looking at a painting. Um, I, I, you know, if I'm holding a painting, I don't get this special feeling. I guess if I was holding a Leonardo, I would feel differently. But <laughs> if I if I'm holding and I think I've said this before, if I'm holding a hundred year old photograph in my hands, it doesn't even matter what it is. It just could be two people on the street or a blurry image of a street corner. But if that image that is in my hand is a hundred years old, there is power there. Mm. I'm not sure why, but the photograph becomes more than an image. It becomes an object, it becomes some link to history. Uh, are you though judging that? Or, or forming that opinion on the same basis as you would of the same shot taken and printed yesterday? Uh, no, no, no. I, th- I think if, if if I know that it is in fact 100 years old rather than it looks like it was printed 100 mm. years ago, that's a very, very different aesthetic. I, I've been working on a series where I'm emulating salt prints mm. 
Um, and, um, you know, it has a very, very rough, very narrow tonality. It's kind of brownish and, and, and it looks very, very close to salt prints, the work, but it's all about the image nostalgia and the choice of the image insofar as the technique kind of elevates it. That's a different story, but as an object, I wouldn't say the work, um, is precious because um, because I use that technique, but if I actually held a salt print in my hand and looked at, looked at it and knew that this thing was printed seventy five years ago, I, I would take another look at it. That is, it's really interesting because if I try and bring that back to our topic for today, of, of you know, which is you know, is HDR ever a good thing? Which is the title of our show this week. Um, mm-hmm. What do I think about that? So I, I think I, uh, I, I've pondered this a lot over the years and, and, and in my own photography. So, you know, I love to shoot with Holgers, um, you, mm. know, you know, very basic plastic toy mm. cameras shooting mm-hmm. film. Mm. And, um, and I've had any number of conversations uh, over the years uh, with friends and, and podcasting colleagues about, well, is a toy camera a crutch? And you could ask the same uh, of an Instagram filter. Is that a crutch? Mm. And I, I, I think as far as I've ever been able to find us uh, an answer that satisfies me, um, I, I think my, my get out of jail free card here is that I think um, it is if you've taken a bad photograph. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you take sure. a, but if you take a, a good photograph, I think a good photograph can survive that kind of treatment. Um, can now, we call that can we call that production seduction? Oh, I like that. What do you, I, I, we can do, but what do you mean by that? <laughs> you know, uh, harken back to, you know, overproduced music when a bad song would have like 800 tracks mixed and orchestral <laughs> and choir and whatnot. It's a bad song. It may be very well produced right, mm. on a technical side, but it's still a bad song. So I, I actually don't think that there is um, a technical crutch for any kind of image making or photography. It comes down to the application of the use of it as intended, the end result as intended by those who employ it. So, you know, if that's successful or not, it's a different story. But just doing something for the technique of it um, without kind of stabilizing it or having a foundation of something that is, whether it's provocative or aesthetically beautiful or romantic, whatever, whatever it is, I think you, you have to have some intent of the end result of your image. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can, I, 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 I can get behind that idea. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. And yeah, cause you can go back and you can look at somebody like, you know, Trey Ratcliffe, who, who we were just talking about and say, actually, do you know what? He's doing that intentionally. He has an idea of, of what it is he's trying to achieve. Um, and so what, you know, his, his photographs are, are you know, technically proficient and presumably that he's getting the outcome that he's looking for. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess beauty is in the eye of the beholder as well, then, isn't it? So, 
Well, that's where it gets complicated, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, inter- you know, you said you like to use the holgas. How have you ever tried, like, to apply that afterwards to something that you took on your phone? And how would that compare? Would you know the difference as a holga user? That oh god, look, they just stuck a holga filter on it or whatever, or uh, use the holga lens or uh, on the phone. Would you know the difference? Uh, I I like to think that I would be able to tell the difference between yeah, yeah. between and there there are some technical things you can do things like um, you know the uh, a Holger negative is is six centimeters by six centimeters um, and you know the, the you get a whole different look and feel from compression mm-hmm. and things like that mm. than you would do from a phone. Um, you also you know um, uh, often you'll find that the 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 Holger effect is the real thing is far more. It's a bit of a stretch in vocabulary here, but I'll say it's yeah. more organic than what you would okay. get out of a phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, so, uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I, I mean, I, I think I probably, I think I probably could, but that, yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, have I, have I tried? Well, I mean, yeah, there are any number of apps that I've tried over the years, and some of them, some of them seem to exist purely to torture and destroy <laughs> pixels. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that's that's okay, right? It's it's yeah. yeah. It's, it's, well, I mean, you know, when you kind of settle on something that you're happy with a certain look, um, I suppose you get complacent and you kind of get stuck in in just having this one aesthetic, and you don't really maybe experiment as much as you know. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I like you. Like uh, I haven't used my Holga in a while, but I have one of those, you know, square format Holgas. <laughs> Basically, it's bound together with black tape. Oh yeah, absolutely. You've got to do that. Together. Otherwise, yeah. it falls I mean, I apart. It's part of <laughs> the light leaks are part of the aesthetic. The plastic lenses, everything. Mm. What I what I enjoy most about it is that it, when you get the the pictures back um, that they're always surprising. They, they never look exactly the way you intended or one intended, at least not no. the ones that I did. So w- that's kind of a, a, I don't know, um, throw it up in the air, see what happens, <laughs> get and take responsibility for the successes. Yeah, I like I, it is. It's as much a psychological exercise as it is a photographic exercise. Because you have to, you have to let go. You have to accept that pretty, it's pretty, pretty sure that whenever you press that shutter button, it's not going to be the best photograph you've ever taken. Because even if you're pointing mm-hmm. your camera at something really interesting, it probably won't come out. But then you get that one on every roll, or that two or three on every roll, and and that come back, and you go, "Wow, that's yeah. why, that's why I do this." Um, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 very different. Do you know what? It, it's almost at the opposite end of the psychological scale to HDR, where yeah. you know the the, the technical practice, uh, you know, practicing, if that's even mm. a word, of HDR, especially for those who do it with bigger cameras, is often to take you know put your camera on a tripod and take five or seven shots of the mm. same scene at different exposures, with the purposeful intent of of manipulating it. Um, mm. Which is yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, do I think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I think you know, no, I don't think it's either. Actually, I think it can be very useful. If, if as Jeremiah says, if you've got an end in mind and you're working towards it, then why mm. wouldn't you use the tools you've got? Yeah, I think it's interesting when we think of how these, um, you know, if we take HDR as being um, 
kind of the current uh, the the current way to expand the kind of tonalities in in the shadows and certainly crushing highlights somewhat if if that's the intent where are we going to be in say 10 years with processing power to be able to i guess micromanage luminance in not just the shadows but every possible um zone of the shadows and is that something that will yield um a better or more interesting image uh have we have we seen images that have such um full tonalities that are yet to be discovered if you catch my drift Mm, here that's interesting that's interesting because I, I was going to say, yeah, what does this mean for the future of photography? And I was going to ask you, actually, I, was, I had in my mind, Jeremiah, some 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 slightly technical questions to ask you about uh, about the new things, the new definition of HDR, which is actually to have, uh, you know, from capture through to display a workflow that makes use of a higher dynamic range. Um, and, uh, you know, because I mean, you were talking about cameras now having potential for 16 stops of capture. I mean, that, that is astonishing. I mean, but we're all reasonably used to having 12, 13 stops in, yeah. in, a, in a digital camera. But that then, you know, that, that then can get, you know, if it's, a, if it's a still photograph, it can get, you know, you can take seven of those at different exposures and squish them all into, in, into one so that it can be seen on, a, on any kind of display. Um, and traditionally, um, you know, our televisions, as big and flat as they might be, don't have a huge amount of dynamic range. I don't know, Jeremiah, when you when you're making stuff for for television, what what's what's the is is there a technical standard or a guideline for for broadcast that you you have to have only so many stops of range? Now, the, there used to be that, you know, in the earlier days, like when, before I made films or anything, I was doing commercials. There were a lot of limitations or you know even in color like we when we would use a lot of red people oh you can't use that much red it'll kind of bloom you know the 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 you know tvs will just kind of oversaturate the red if i don't know if you remember that but um and if if you kind of crush the shadows a bit they just go pure black and then you know this is in commercials the clients may be very unhappy um so I, I think once once we established kind of a, a a better looking output, which is you know flat screen, LED or you know beyond TVs. Now uh, you buy TVs; they say they're HDR. They actually label it. It's a selling point. Yeah. What does that um, mean, though? <laughs> I do not have a clue. I, I, I guess it means that I, there's I enough pixels that. Yeah, I was actually looking at that. So SDR use I made a note of this. SDR uses eight bit color, so that um, two hundred and fifty six options. <clears throat> that means each pixel can be de- defined by the two hundred and fifty six levels of brightness. So with red, green, and blue, that gives you sixteen point seven million defined colors. But there's this new thing called HDR ten, which is ten bits. So it takes it from 16.7 million to over a billion defined colors. But who's counting? That's, oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. 
<laughs> but it's it but it, but you're right that it's not just i mean you, you can have that many colors but of course there's the, mm. there's the luminance factor in that as well um uh, which which would which would be potentially very very revealing um and, mm. and that sounds as i i can't remember exactly the number of colors that the human eye can can register um but i think at 10 bit you've got more colors that you're working with than the, than the human eye the human can I register can but but of course that what that means is that in reality is that if your capture is 10 bit then you can actually tune your output to something that is within the range of the human eye to appreciate yeah. but you've got more flexibility because you can pull it, and mm-hmm. push it one way or the other mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um uh, and that's where I was thinking. Yeah, what is this? The, where, where are we going? What is the future for? for, for uh, excuse me. What is the future of technology? No, future of photography. What's the name of this show? The future of, the, <laughs> of photography. I think there's a lot, a lot of kind of push towards um, not having um, HDR as an artifice, but more mm-hmm. as an expansion of what the capture chips are capable of. So that, you know, on my, you know, I've got, you know, I work with Leicas and, and um, you know, the new Leicas have an amazing range. I mean, you think, oh, my God, it's bright, bright, hot white wall and a crunchy shadow. And, and just shooting in, in DNG um, and, and putting it up there on Photoshop and actually looking at all the detail that exists, both in the highlights and the shadows. I couldn't um, have more. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this. I want as much as that chip will give me because then I can decide um, what I want to kind of compress or expand, even in kind of bits of it. And it's not to say that I want to do that even in a way that draws attention to it. It just has – it's a way of of, of painting or manipulating uh, the image to be a representation of that world at that moment, the way I wanted to interpret it. Um, so I think there's a lot of work in terms of expanding the dynamic range of capture chips, mm. and that's going to go on and on and on. I think in terms of how many pixels and how sharp the lenses can be, um, all of that. I mean, there is a point where the human eye won't be able to really see more color or see more sharpness. Um, often we'll want more sharpness so that we can compose um, and pull out. Like my uh, Leica Q2 has a fixed 28 millimeter lens and every shot is 47 megapixels of kind of raw image. But it has a little button on the side, and you push the button, and that 28 becomes a 35, and the 35 then is, I don't know, 37 megapixels, and then the 50 is 25 megapixels. But it, so it's a fixed lens, but every time you move in, of course, you're getting less resolution. Um, Still, I still think even at 24 megapixels, you've probably got more pixels there than I have in my main camera, but which is okay. It, it is amazing. It, it is really, really amazing because you don't, you don't miss those things. Certainly on a screen, you don't miss them at all. If you're making a bigger print, you may, but, but I, I do think that at the end of the day, more is better provided that you can process it, that you can capture it, that you can output it, because once you get to a certain point, uh, there's just a, a tremendous amount of data 
to manage. Mm. So that, can we talk? Can we talk about HDR output then? Because did I, I, mean, I um, did I see correctly that the newly announced iPhone 11s um, have, uh, or some of them at least, have a a screen that has a far higher dynamic range, and so that you can actually see the benefits of this broader capture. So they tell me. Uh, on paper yeah and uh, in a few weeks i will look at my old phone and my new phone and i will say i can't see the difference or wow one or the other Uh, so yeah here's the other problem going to the future is once i've experienced the wow then everything else will look really shitty. <laughs> well, there's potential for that. There is potential for that. And that's a problem. Once you've had great wine, it's really hard to drink. <laughs> so what you're saying so, is there's that you're going to have a spare like a Q2 because you'll only be shooting with your iPhone. Um, if, you, if you want to send it on a world tour, just you know, to some friends or something like that, you know. <laughs> the, the difference is, and because I shoot, you know, with the like and with my iPhone as well as, you know, I just have a bunch of cameras that I use for different, you know, moods. Um, the, you know, it's a very different uh, experience when I go out with a monochrome Leica and a fixed lens that I am focusing. Everything is manual. Or when I go out with an M6 shooting film. Or if I go out, you know, I have a camera that's been converted for infrared that's something I'd love to see Emer do with her landscapes. I think that would be so beautiful. But, a follower guide that does infrared stuff, and it does look pretty incredible. It's so magical. Mm-hmm. It would be so good in Ireland, too, because okay. of the, you know, the, the amount of green you have there. But anyway, the, the, Might the be point, a challenge for number 100. I think it would be good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I think the point is every diff, every piece of kit that I use creates a much different kind of going out on the street or in the country or what have you experience of taking the pictures of studying or what works and what doesn't. And so I just look forward to having an iPhone, which is, you know, going to be always in my pocket um, and being able to capture at a very, very high resolution because that's, that's my thing. Mm. Interesting. Interesting, yeah, yeah, and and of course with 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 these things, if if uh, Chris is correct and 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 you can't touch turn off the HDR, then uh, you're going to get quite a lot of detail as well in there, aren't you? It's, it's, I was um, reading some stuff about it where it does something like it takes it, it takes five or six or more or, or a bunch of of short shots shots before you press the shutter button so that it makes sure that it captures exactly the time you press at the shutter button then it takes a long one afterwards and it takes another couple of short ones <laughs> and it stitches them all together into a single image or something that that might be one specific mode on it and i, I might have clearly i'm going to have some of the detail of that incorrect but I, I will say that i expect to be fully disappointed by it because my goal for the future of photography as it relates to what I want to see, I want an eight by 10 camera in my pocket. That's what I want. Mm. You know? <laughs> That's a big pocket. That's what I want. So, I want that kind of resolution. I want that kind of, of crispness. Not that my images, for those who have seen them, 
are all very sharp and crisp, but I degrade it as to my mm. intention. Mm. So there you go. Interesting. Interesting. So I, I can't, I can't give you right at this point an eight by 10 in your pocket. Um, but do you know the, uh, the intrepid camera company? Nope. No, you should look them up. This is, this is a, a UK based company and they do make a, a they do make a folding eight by 10. Uh, oh, and yes, it only yes, weighs a yes, couple yes. of kilos. I, a friend of mine bought one of those four by fives. Very, yeah, they do. For, they did four. Mm-hmm. They do eight by tens now. I'm just reading here. Mm-hmm. It, it it weighs just two point five kilos, which is you as well. I guess about five pounds, um, or maybe nearer six. Um, so as long as you've got a big pocket and it's well stitched, <laughs> <laughs> just like, you probably have to put your lens board in the other pocket. To be fair, <laughs> then I have to carry around film holders and all the rest of it, but. <laughs> Um, I will leave that for uh, another another day discussion because there is something absolutely stunning about going out into the world with the intention of taking one image. Yes, yes. Um, the closest I get to that usually is 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 about twelve. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, that's that's way too way too many in some kinds. I I am the person who struggles to get through a roll of thirty six images. I, I I am that person, but I have to shoot medium format because yeah, thirty five mil is just too many pictures to take. But you should shoot with the um, Fuji uh, GW three, which is a or it's a six by nine. Ah, is is that the one they call the Texas Leica? Yeah, it, first of all, it's a marvel of camera. It it is pretty close to something you can carry in a very big pocket. Um, <laughs> it's not particularly heavy, and it you you only get eight shots out of a roll. Yeah, yeah, I, I I don't have one of those. I I have thought about it over the years. Um, they do some other nice ones as well, Fuji. They 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 do a whole range of really nice medium format um uh, film cameras that pro- pro- probably is a slight tangent from what to uh, from the topic for the day <laughs> we should do another we should do a whole a whole a whole show on that at some point um it's uh it's, but it's, i think hdr is a good thing to talk about because at what point is the dynamic range going to be enough Right. So I it, I think there's a there's, there's a very subjective element to that. That's it. I mean that is a good future of photography question, isn't it? It's like what yeah. not not what you know what coming in terms of technology, but when is enough enough, and what is the artistic consequence of uh, of this stuff? For me, um, I, yeah, I I like I like to to let shadows fall away and focus on the subject. I mean, I'm not exactly fan ho, but it's. It, you know, I, I I don't mind losing detail. I don't shoot for detail. Uh, you know, I it's you know, I I I all see these you know adverts for cameras and for lenses, and they say it's the sharpest lens ever. And I'm like, oh good. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> that'll be that'll be for somebody else to use then. You know, it's just like <laughs> I'm just beginning to wonder in the future if they're um making uh, the dynamic the dynamic range um wider than any of our eyes will be able to perceive then maybe they're not doing it for us at all maybe they're doing it for the ai oh, oh. oh. 
that's another that's a night that's an interesting yeah, thought yeah. actually because mm. you know it's it's like um it's like the 5g network it's in ex machina it's like it yes that that's it so what when does the technology not become about yeah. us anymore so yes. where is it where is your 16 stop mm-hmm. sensor going to go it's going to go in your car is it or something like that you know so it could so it can mm-hmm. navigate even when it's sunny <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's such an interesting, um, that's a very interesting thought when you have all your CCCD cameras, all your car cameras that have in, you know, basically satellite quality resolution and high dynamic range and very wild, wide field of views, then capturing you know, facial recognition and capturing people's behaviors and crowds and all of that become a, it's a whole other question, which we've covered on the show before. Yes. Mm. So the future, the, da- the, the future dangers of HDR. <laughs> of HDR. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. So the Skynet is going to be able to see much better than we can in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well there we go. So we've got what have we got there? We've got the uh, we've got the the consumer impact of the future of HDR. Yeah, we've got a a workflow impact. We've got the the post apocalyptic impact <laughs> of the future. Are there are there any angles we want to cover before we wrap up the show this week? <laughs> I think going out on the post apocalyptic is very apt. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. So, uh that I think concludes our, our main topic. I guess to 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 take us out, uh then it's time for some picks of the week. Um Yeah, Jeremiah, what's your pick of the week? Well, my pick of the week is inspired by you, Adrian, and okay. it is a <laughs> it's a camera. A camera that I see in your future. And it's called a Jolly Look. Camera. Oh, the Jolly Look! Ah, indeed. <laughs> yes. Um, it it is as retro-looking a cardboard camera than you could ever invent. It uses Instax film. It folds up. It's very inexpensive. Um, it looks if it looks essentially like an old Kodak camera box camera um anyway i just thought wow, that i i am aware of it it was originally a kickstarter i think um oh, yeah. and, and some friends of mine uh have now received theirs um oh. uh i i i haven't seen one in, in real life i haven't played with one um generally i think the the delivery of these things was was deemed by people i know personally to be slightly disappointing <laughs> <laughs> and and my very good friend graham who is a co-host on the sunny 16 podcast my film podcast film photography podcast i should say um he actually created a franken camera which he calls the jolubitel <laughs> so so he he has taken a russian twin lens reflex camera and and cut the 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 jolly look camera mechanics or, um, and, and sort of gaffer taped it to the back so he now has uh, a, 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 a Lubitel that he can shoot Instax Mini on and then and then manually wind out the film <laughs> uh, I I just love it the question is is it a party favor or is it a real camera <laughs> I, I think it's a horror film as much as <laughs> anyway caught my eye 
Yeah, well, good, good one, good one. Uh, uh, no, excuse me, Ema, I'm reading the show notes and saying the wrong words. Ema, what's your pick of the week? Uh, my pick of the week is, I may have gotten mixed up between the highlight and the pick of the week, which I think maybe we all did a little bit, but um, <laughs> my pick of the week is a set of photographs by a lady called Eleanor Carucci. And um, she's well known for her disconcerting close-ups, apparently. But this set of images is like um, a look inside the, both the body and the world of a middle-aged woman. And they're really beautiful. There's slight voyeuristic quality to them as well. Like you almost feel like you shouldn't be there, but the moments are really poignant. And she does things like... Um, take a photo of her upper lip with the facial hair and the lipstick on it which is as middle-aged women we can all relate to that and um, we can all relate to that I'm including you um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, certainly can relate moments, to it as a middle-aged woman family moments and moments from her life but as you look at them you can see you can see your own life in them they're mundane moments but so poignant at the same time and they're lit beautifully as well um so um i've put the link in the show notes to them so awesome. people can go and check those out right good stuff I thank you yeah oh. uh okay well uh for my own um uh, i um uh well my pick my pick of the week actually is is anything but hdr <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i think Ema, you mentioned this some point a little while ago and i went back and i've been playing this week with hipstamatic oh, uh, yeah. uh, which to to this to this day actually i find an, an amazing app on my phone so this is this for those that don't know it um this is how you took photos that everybody took takes today before instagram was invented and gave and everybody developed loads of filters um, and it's still going. It still gets development. Um, they still develop new uh, lens effects and new yeah, form effects yeah, for and it. Packs and everything. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, it's, and the, it's the grandfather of, uh, you know, photo apps. It, it is in a lot of ways. Yeah, it is. And or so, grand grandmother. <laughs> and so I've been I've been uh, nuking some pixels um, uh, th- this week, and uh, I think. Um, uh, and this is something I took from you, actually, Ema, I think, which is that if you want some s- extreme extra mental discomfort and lack of control, mm. you can shake to shuffle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I suppose that surprise you get when you develop the Holga image. You don't kind of know what you're going to get unless you're really au fait with all the looks. But So so that is, that is, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, uh, but at least you know what the film looks like. So mm. you may get different exposures and different light leaks and effects and stuff like that, but you at least mm. know. Whereas uh, I did find myself, I confess, I found myself shaking to shuffle <laughs> this week and then going, no, that's the wrong one. Shake again. Yeah. No, that's the wrong one. Shake again. <laughs> so I'm not entirely comfortable with it. <laughs> but It's just a good way to let go of control just for a little while. Like, it, it, it is. And, th- and thank you for, for giving me the idea to go back and pick it back up. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. I think I think uh, that's probably our show for this week. Um, yeah, we are the future of photography, uh, and to prove it, we have a website called thefutureofphotography.com. You should go find the shows there and and download them to your podcatcher of choice. Um, we're also uh, on Twitter uh, with with the uh, the account and and the hashtag tfopnow. That's T F O P now. 
Um, please get in touch. Uh, please share your crunched uh, and HDR images with us uh, after this show so that we can continue the conversation. Always glad to hear from uh, our listeners. Um, and that's it. It's been an honour and a privilege to talk to you all and, of course, to talk with Jeremiah and Ema for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with show 100. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Thank you.